Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by my co-host, Saima. What up, wheelies? And, of course, our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hello, hey, panel. panel. Uh, joining us today, it's Samaria. Hey, y'all. Axel. Hello. And Siobhan. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to continue our deep dive into the religion in real world religion and mythology and how it relates to the Wheel of Time. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to quickly talk to uh, Samaria and Saima and find out about uh, just kind of their, their basic knowledge base, the well that they're tapping into here. Uh, Axel, Siobhan, and I did that uh, in, in one of the previous episodes. But Samaria, would you like to go ahead and uh, just... Give us a quick background of your your religion and mythology knowledge. Yes. Um, so I am a devout Christian, even though, as I was saying before we started, there are probably a lot of people out there who wouldn't consider me a Christian. Um, I grew up, um, as they say, in the church. I'm a minister's kid. Um, there was a decade or, um, or so when I was a teenager and in my early 20s where I was very much agnostic um, on a soul search. Um, and then I returned to the church, reclaimed Christianity for myself, um, but I'm also a little witchy on the side. Um, I've been studying astrology since I was 10, um, picked up my aunt's astrology book and never uh, put it back down, essentially. Um, and that very much informs um, my worldviews, my value systems, um, my spirituality and practices. I've made a point to like make sure that my relationship to faith is mine. Um, and so I work very hard to be respectful and open-minded um, and really take to heart critiques um, non-Christians have um, of any kind, especially now with, you know, this white Christian nationalist movement really coming on strong in the U.S. Like, it's my responsibility as a Christian, whether I like it or not, to confront that. Um, so there, there's a lot of, like, things personally, culturally, politically going on with my relationship to my my religion and my faith. Um, and, you know, I just hope, I hope I come across today as clear, concise, and considerate. So. Yeah. And, and from what you were also saying before we started, um, you, you have a bit of knowledge in Greek and Roman mythology because of the astrology knowledge. Yeah. yeah. There's really no way to really understand Western astrology, at least fully, um, without it. And, eventually i realized that started kind of bleeding into uh, my beliefs um and my faith um it's like i'm not saying it's not real or that it is real i'm just saying that there's a lot there's a lot um that i realized that through you know i guess study osmosis that i've absorbed and i'm not mad about it so all right Good to know. Uh, and Saima, uh, do you want to give us a little bit about your your knowledge base before we get into this? Um, yeah, quite similar to Samaria's actually, but from a, a, a Muslim uh, upbringing. Um, uh, depending on how I'm feeling, um, I might vary how uh, I identify. I, I have to say, that must be really weird being a preacher's daughter and being Muslim at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Oh, no, I'm 
not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'm not going to go there. Um, but um, having said that, uh, this weekend that we're recording, uh, it is uh, Eid weekend, so Eid Mubarak uh, to anybody celebrating out there. Uh, this is a weekend that I will claim I am a Muslim um, because, um, well, yeah, it's it's when family is is nice, so that's good. Um, but yeah, so grew up with uh, a Muslim uh, uh, upbringing. I went to mosque, um, but I can't say I really learned anything until I kind of left and came back to it. And that's when I started to kind of connect um, the stories um, historically and then also the mystical allegories. So with that, I would say I have a Abrahamic knowledge, uh, so Christianity and Judaism because of, of the stories uh, the history, it overlaps. Um, but growing up, I basically read everything to do with any kind of religious, spiritual, mythological, so Greek, Roman, Norse, um, Caribbean, um, basically anything I could get my hands on uh, to the point where I read all the books in the children's library and was given a special pass to read books in the adult library. Um, Love it. So I... I'm kind of, I miss the person I used to be, um, that I had all that knowledge. Um, about 10 years ago, due to cognitive issues, I've lost a lot of it. Um, it's still there. So when someone says something, it might kind of waft forward from the recesses of my mind. Um, mm. But um, but yeah, everything that you all discussed in the previous uh, couple of episodes was just brilliant. And this is why I love The Wheel of Time, because when I was I started reading it when I was 16 and I was fully immersed in all the different stories and, you know, the connections that Jordan was making, um, similar to Neil Gaiman. Like th those were the two ma yeah. you know, big things that I was reading back then. It was Wheel of Time and The Sandman. Um, and it was just everything that I loved was just on display. Um, like I say, I, I'm, I'm sad about the things that are, my brain has kind of had to let go of, but I, I love this conversation. So really looking forward to it. Um, I, I know exactly what you mean about uh, your brain starts bringing some of that stuff up from the fog because that definitely happened during the last two episodes for me. I, I, I started remembering things that I had long forgotten. Um, so yeah, these are, these episodes are fun if for no other reason than that. It reminds me that I'm dumber than I used to be. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and just get right into it. Saima, why don't you go ahead and choose a, a person or a topic that you would like to delve into? Well, I'm going to dive right in there with Nynaeve. Nynaeve. All right. Um, so going to our panel, what, what immediately do you notice from Nynaeve that might be tied to religion or mythology? Listen to the wind. Um, okay. Uh, all, I mean, from my point of view as an audience member, um, that was a really good, um, subtle-ish, um, introduction to what the power is, what the source is, um, how, you know, people may or may not draw, um, on it. And as the series goes on, you know, listen to the wind, but we also see different ways people connect to the source. There's, you know, the very standardized, um, I said I kind of way and but then you have people like men you have people like Nynaeve who are a bit for lack of a better like way to put it like 
folkish way of connecting to it. And, you know, there's also like you can be taught, um, but there are also ways that there there's more instinct. And Nynaeve, we learn, is very much like kind of instinctive, intuitive, the way she connects to the one power, the way she the way she wields it. Um, and in terms of, I guess, myth and religion, um, I guess when we're, when we're thinking about, you know, the source, we're thinking about listening to the wind. Um, there is a spirituality in that, but because we know it can be studied in a way it can be quantified, um, like we know it's real in a way that our, you know, our own religions, our own faiths kind of aren't real. So like while we do have, you know, historical basis to a lot of what we believe, a lot of it is just kind of left to, I, I guess, stories. So tied to that listening to the wind, is that, um, are there any stories related to that from mythology or, or anything in, in, uh, uh, in witchcraft or, or paganism that related to that? I mean, we got burning bushes. Um, <laughs> most, I mean, that's how Moses like met God, you, you know, um, there was a burning bush and God, you know, spoke through the flames. Um, maybe, um, you can argue it was flames. You can also say, you know, it was the wind, um, and, you know, instructed Moses to return to Egypt, you know, free the enslaved Hebrews from Egyptian um, captivity and lead them away from it into a promised land. Um, so that's the most immediate and obvious example I have from many, many Bible stories. I mean, at least in Christian practice, like praying, um, the Holy Spirit can't really speak for any like anybody else but in my church you know we're really instructed to hear god um and that can be in a in many many different ways and it can be through other people um it can be in you know a series of unlikely coincidences and it can be um like literally hearing god's voice um that, that's fascinating. I've never quite thought about the whole listening to the wind thing as similar to listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice of God. That's a fascinating comparison. Then. I think so. So from my side, um, I've been just starting to rewatch the series. And uh, one of the very first scenes is the one where Nynaeve welcomes um, Egwene into the circle of women. And that was an inc like hanging around with neo pagans. That was an incredibly familiar ritual. Not necessarily the details with the braids and the and the throwing her in the water, but the the whole ritual where you welcome a young woman into the sisterhood of you know the, the of adults who are part of the community. I think we would have done it at midnight and a full moon, but other than that, it was. The very, very much the emotion and the and the the way that she spoke to Egwene. Like I think she comes across as very much as a priestess. Yeah, exactly. The the elder. I mean, Moraine says to Nynaeve directly, "You're very young for wisdom." Like the idea of uh, normally it would be one of the village elders who would be welcoming the the new woman into the circle. 
So older, older than more authority and power than is normal for a woman of her age. I just wanted to um, share something and see if that sparks anything. You remember that when Leandrin is trying to cozy up to Nynaeve, she starts off by saying, she mispronounces her name and she says, is it Nineveh? Thinking of Nineveh and Jonah. That, that's, that's one possible reference. No, oh, that's, that's interesting. Tell me more, Saima, because I thought she was just being an asshole. A watery tart lobbing scimitars at somebody's head is no basis for a form of government. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Lady of the Lake Nimwe. Right. Who was... Um... The Lady of the Lake was also known as Nimwe, Nivien, Nenive, or Vivian. Mm. Nenive. That's definitely not a coincidence. And and I'm pretty sure I have heard people who have read the books use every single one yeah, of those. I was going to say every every yeah. every variation, definitely. Because everybody you talk to who has read the books pronounces Nynaeve's name just a right. little bit different. Yeah, one of the side she was, effects. She was yeah. Nynaeve for about I don't know, fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a side effect of of moving a thing onto an audio medium. All of a sudden, pronunciations get standardized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or actually paying attention to the glossary at the back of each book. <laughs> yeah, who does that, really? <laughs> it's usually too late for me once I get to that point. My problem is those little pronunciation guides mean nothing to my brain. Absolutely mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah, same here. So that's, that's interesting because in when I was looking at the cast of characters and kind of thinking, okay, where can I see associations? I was looking at Leandrin and thinking Morgan Le Fay. Oh, yeah, interesting. I mean, the, the name is a really obvious connection, um, and both magic and both are major plot drivers. I can honestly say that is not a, a connection I had previously made. That's. I like it. Yeah. Now, Nimue, uh, she's she's she gives Arthur Excalibur. Um, not the, the sword in the stone is what makes him king. Excalibur is magic sword that makes him a lot more powerful. Um, she also, in some stories, gets rid of Merlin. Um, who again? There's a I think is a like there's a link with uh, with Morgan, right? Which I think we talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the link there is Merlin, I believe, taught both of them magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, Nynaeve and Morgaine have a pretty um, uh, hostile relationship. Hmm. You know, so... So, so from Arthurian legend, the character named Nynaeve and the character named Morgaine are, are at odds with each other. Who, who who could Morgaine also be? Like, is Nynaeve linking up? Are we connecting Nynaeve with Nimue? Or Morgaine? Are we connecting? Because both could work. We can connect. I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm yeah. reaching from Morgaine a little bit here and thinking yeah. that, you know, um, Moraine is not very far from that. Yeah, yeah Moraine true. could also, though, link to Merlin, which is also not very far. Mm-hmm. 
right? So, uh. so Nineveh was taught by Merlin and then turned against Merlin. Yes. So Nynaeve already doesn't like Moraine. And is being taught by Moraine, or at least mm -hmm. by the White Tower, which amounts to the same thing, because, yeah. So what else do we know about the Lady of the Lake? Reach into your deep, deep recesses here and see if you can remember any stories about the Lady of the Lake. Sometimes the Lady of the Lake is Morgan Le Fay. Uh, so they can, like, yeah, it's an interpretation thing. Um, but in others, in, in at least one, she's another, she's a daughter of Uther Pendragon, making her, her Arthur's sister. Um, um, what other characters is she, is, is the Lady of the Lake connected to? What's her, what, what is the Lady of the Lake's con connection to Lan Salat? <laughs> oh, the subtlety. Right, they, are they, do they have a romantic relationship? In... So one of the stories, the Lady of the Lake raises Lancelot and teaches him about right. chivalry his, his and right. She's and right. Yeah, 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 because his dad dies, she raises him um, and sets him up to be the second greatest knight that ever lives until he fucks up by fucking Guinevere. Bloody Lancelot. <laughs> so is Arlan and Egwene going to have an affair? Oh, interesting thought. Bloody Lan. He's <laughs> <laughs> putting his sword where it doesn't belong. So, so what I'm hearing so far about Lady of the Lake is she she's tightly, tightly uh, um, connected to Lan Salat. Um, <laughs> she's also tightly connected to the 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 High King becoming the High King. Or, or consolidating the High King's power, um, and also connected to the High King through some kind of a magical sword. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, and and other things depending on which myths you, which stories you read, because there's a whole there's a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. The the. The myth itself has gone through a lot of creative rewrites. Yeah, she sits kind of at the edge of it, too. Like, she's not so direct. Like, she's a side character rather than uh, uh, one of the central cast. Ex except, for, except for one version where she, after she traps Merlin, mm -hmm. she takes over Merlin's role as King Arthur's magical advisor. Right, okay. Um, which... So, which would be something that could totally work in the series. So what, Nynaeve gets rid of Moraine and, and yeah. becomes Brands. It doesn't necessarily even have to get... Well, I mean, Moraine right now is not magical, right? So, uh, yeah. as a magical advisor, that's a bit of a limitation. But was her power as an advisor related to her magical ability or just the fact that she's you know, knows a lot yeah. of stuff? I, I would say the magical ability affects her ability to be a magic person, but doesn't yeah. necessarily... in affect advisability that's true like she tells rand right what he needs yeah. to do but she says she can't teach him because it's she can't access sidene and and yeah and rand does listen to her a lot okay i think uh we, we've probably 
gotten to the bottom of, of uh, what we can ex explore with Nynaeve so far. Um, there will be much more to explore as, as we get further into the show. Um, but from there, I think the natural place to go is to discuss Lancelot. Um, what do we know about <laughs> Lancelot? <laughs> I, I'm suspecting that, well, yeah, he's really good at fighting and, like, he's the, what, the, the, the last king of a lost land. Um, hmm. What does that sound like? Clearly, this is Matt. Clearly. <laughs> uh, and he has an affair with Guinevere. Well, actually, he starts off as Guinevere's champion. Um, Guinevere is accused, yep. I think, of witchcraft or something, and uh, Lancelot is her champion. Yeah, and, so and he jet, like, defends yeah. her initially, and then they become lovers. If I'm remembering, also if I'm remembering be, uh, the stories correctly. Yeah. Um, it, like, it, yeah, it starts off with uh, the relationship between Lancelot and Guinevere being the model for uh, appropriate courtly romance, which means, you know, lots of flirting and never actually touching, and they break, then they break the rules by actually having sex, and then that leads to the decline and fall of Arthur's kingdom, um, because sex is bad, okay? Ah, uh, downside about pretty much any any any, any uh, kind of Christian mythology. <laughs> so um, another connection there that can be made with Lan and Nynaeve as Lancelot and the Lady of the Lake is um, so Sima. What is Malkir also known as? The Land of the Seven Lakes. Uh, no? Seven Towers, I think it's Land of a Thousand Lakes. That, that's it. Or Land Ten Thousand Lakes. I think it's yeah. Minnesota is basically right. what, that's, what, that's what I was hearing. Yeah. Like all the Great um, Lakes region. God. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Lost Kingdom of Malkir is known for its, or was known for its many, many, many beautiful lakes. Right. So, that feels intentional. Right. Okay, um, I'm not really familiar with Minnesotan mythology, unfortunately, so... Um, I think it has something to do with a giant uh, uh, spectral moose directly to their north. Oh. Oh, I got that. Okay, oh, so, so Manitoba <laughs> is, the is, um, is the villain here. Um... And so the blight is Canada invading. Is that what is that the, anal the analogy we're going that's for kind here? Of where I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I can see that. And yeah. so the destruction of the world is linked to healthcare. Right, oh, right. Okay. right. Public health, socialized medicine. So, right. So, I've, wow. I'm glad we have Axel here to to find all these connections that I was missing. Because wow, yeah. that, that, that was a that was a that was an obvious one. Now that I look back on it, right? I I just yeah yeah. Uh, so just back to land for a minute. What other yeah. stories do we know of, of a king without a kingdom? Um, I mean, it makes me think of Elric of Melnibane by, um, by Michael Moorcock, but the character is very, very different in yeah. pretty much every regard. So I don't think that's a connection. Um, Aragorn. Oh, there you go. 
that's that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's really about all that needs to be said there. I mean, the the Lord of the Rings parallels in the first book are obvious, and it, it's fairly obvious that he is taking the Aragorn role. But I mean, I guess it could also be said that Aragorn was probably based heavily on Lancelot as well. So yeah, I mean, you know, the the idea that Tolkien the the preeminent English writer may have included preeminent English myths in his writing just seems silly. Yeah, why 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 would he do such a thing? I mean, like he's he was sticking entirely to Germanic myths that to st and, and Nordic myths to steal from. Right? He wouldn't need to steal from anywhere else. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once you once you take from Wagner, you really don't need to take from anywhere else. It's, it's and also, right I mean, it's worth remembering that you know, I mean, British Britain, Britain has no history of stealing from other sources at all, ever. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I, I just have one response to that: <laughs> the British Museum. <laughs> right. See, it's British. Everything in it is British that came from Britain. It just happened that Britain was in a lot of places at the time. <laughs> Geographically spread out. <laughs> Can I just go back to something? Oh, oh, oh yeah, Samari. Yeah, Simon. yeah. Samari, when I first mentioned Nynaeve and the Nineveh, you said something that was related to the some biblical reference? Yes, Nineveh, which, as the story, the legend, whatever you want to call it, goes, um, God instructs Jonah to travel to Nineveh which was kind of a Sodom and Gomorrah type place uh, where it was absolutely lawless and people were terrible. And maybe depending on who you ask, they were eating kids. Um, okay, just so this the kind Burning of, Man. All right. Just, <laughs> just this kind of place where you're glad they were walled off and kept to themselves. Um, <laughs> okay, definitely Burning God, Man. <laughs> and God was like, I want you to go there. And make them good. And Jonah was like, I will not. And so, you know, took a boat and escaped. And God sent the whale to swallow Jonah, put Jonah in timeout, spit him back up after three days. And Jonah was like, fine, I'll go. <laughs> and so he went to Nineveh and Nineveh miraculously changed and prospered and, um, so there were always one of two morals of the story. The first one was that um, you can't escape God's will. Like God will find a way to make his will happen with or without you. Um, it's easier and it's easier if it's with. Um, and the second moral of the story is that sometimes um, we are the ones responsible um, to help other people out of a bad situation. Obviously you can, imagine when i was in fundamentalist christian elementary schools which of these two morals um was more important it was the former um rather than the latter um and i mean i can imagine leandra leandra leandrin looking at naive and saying yes this is the lawless uh this the lawless heathen bitch that I will i will go tame and bend to my will <laughs> um it's a bit far-fetched but I mean, that's that's my word association. Well, I, I would say from your story, the you know, him showing up at the city and the city was suddenly prosperous. That's kind of a miraculous healing in a way. Could be. Could yeah. be. I mean, I like also it. a stretch, but you know, I'm I'm willing I've got long legs. I can make that joke. I mean, I mean 
it's only been a century when the Bible has been taken literally as kind um, as a matter of course. Uh, for the most part, it the proper reading of the text has not been necessarily a literal one. Um, and that has been very important to my reclaiming of Christianity <laughs> as a person. Um, but yeah, as far as land goes, um, I'm actually, I actually was thinking of Jesus actually, um, where, you know, Jesus is born, um, into, um, a poor Palestinian Jewish family. Um, and, you know, a very long story short, he's meant to, you know, bring about you know, God's kingdom on earth. And this is, this is the problem with dealing with Christian nationalists of any flavor is that <laughs> they take that literal. And so they want to build a theocracy, whereas Jesus was going around, you know, preaching, give unto Caesar with Caesar. And so, yes, you are a physical citizen resident of wherever you are and you need to, you know, within reason, you know, be that, you know, don't know, go buck wild trying to, um, I guess, overthrow governments. But on the flip side of that, you know, when Jesus was going around preaching during his three years of ministry, um, you know, the reason why he was such a threat to the government um, was because of his teachings, you know take care of the poor primarily if you do nothing else treat your neighbor well um you know really talking back to the institutionalized um religious leaders about you know you guys are more concerned with following the letter of the law rather than the spirit of it um and obviously when you get those kind of teachings um to many groups of people and that necessarily like subverts that necessarily like, or I guess inevitably like kind of results in upheaval because, you know, people are it's essentially, um, I guess taking care of each other threatens the, the order of things. I yeah. don't know why, <laughs> but it does. Um, and so, you know, and this is, this is what I'm taught in my current church. This is like kind of the conclusion I've come to through, you know, a lot of, a lot of soul searching and self-study where, you know, in my opinion, when God's, when, you know, God, when Jesus is, was on earth talking about, you know, bringing the kingdom of heaven, it was in how we relate to each other just as people. Like it does not involve a literal government. It does not involve like literal laws and, you know, political standards of being the cultural context is jesus is jewish right jesus was jewish mm -hmm. and so he's speaking to people who are literally without a kingdom you know they're constantly as a people like have like at threat existentially um from much more powerful empires and countries like in this ancient regional context and they're being absorbed and expelled like as a cycle from these much more powerful entities and like as a religious group as an ethnic group they are united but as like as you know world citizens they are 
scattered, you know, among these different countries. There's not really um, a sense where, uh, you know, a Jewish people have a place. And unfortunately, this speaks to a lot of, you know, Zionist things in present day that I'm not qualified to speak on. But so, you know, when Jesus is speaking to, you know, both Jewish folks of his time and Gentiles of his time, you know, about bringing a kingdom, he doesn't mean a literal kingdom with a king and borders and state laws and institutions and systems and so on that makes up, you know, a nation state. He's talking about a spiritual connection that bonds people despite all of that. Um, so you're drawing a connection between the lost kingdom of Malkir and, and the Malkiris who are now scattered all over the world and and um, the the destruction of Judea or, or yeah, essentially. And, essentially. And, thank okay. you. I, w- I was going to circle back, but the ADHD would have made that extremely difficult. So thank you. No, no, it's all good. For a while there, I was wondering where you were going with that, but then you got back to where you were going with it. And I was like, oh, yeah. actually, that's a really interesting point. Um, yeah, I drove my professors yeah. crazy with my papers. no i actually that has just kind of a little mini kind of brain explosion because i never really saw any jesus parallels with lan and now all i'm thinking about is book 13 like that's just what you've just said samaria okay put that on hold we'll we'll come back to that in 2029 (laughs) (laughs) Hey, have you heard about our sponsor, Four Cats Boutique? So I just pulled up their website to have a look right now, and I am seeing bookmarks, earrings, uh, jewelry, art prints, um, cards. I see uh, Fantastic Four. I see Moon Knight. Wheel of Time is here. Star Wars. Lots and lots of fandoms. Lots of really gorgeous artwork. Lots of collectibles. Things to hang on your wall. Definitely a site worth checking out. And of course, Lord of the Ring things as well. So definitely check them out. That's Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's number four, cats with a K, number four, Four Cats Boutique. Check them out. I have new respect for DW's job. Yes. Oh my gosh. Samaria, do you want to pick our next person or topic that you would like to to bring up? Hmm. I'm guessing we talked about Steppen already. Uh, we have not talked about Steppen. Oh, well, let's go for Steppen. All right. Uh, what do we see as as analogs in Steppen? Um, um well, I brought them up. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, it's been a couple months before this since my last watch through. Um, I think he's the first person we've seen so far who has displayed any concept that we are currently aware of with the first season, um, of anything approaching organized religion with his mother's statues. Right, right. So it exists. And I was thinking about this last night in preparation for today. Um, about what magic and magic being both known and accessible in a given universe, what that does to organize religion or doesn't do. Um, 
also was thinking about this because I read World War Z last week and it gave me nightmares, but it also made me wonder. I was like, I wonder what would happen to organized religion during and after a zombie world war. But <laughs> which is I, how I, I often wonder the same thing with uh, if if aliens were to to suddenly oh, land. Like too. what what would where would organized religion go? What would well, what Mormons would will be fine, but yeah. you know everybody <laughs> else might be in trouble. <laughs> Um, but, well, well, the Mormons and the uh, um, Scientologists would be okay with it. They'd be fine, sure. like I told you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to think uh, some Muslims would also be all right with it because it is very clearly stated in the Quran: worlds are plural, like oh, you know, there are many other worlds, and there's no denial of life anywhere else. It's just that it just focus happens to focus mostly on Earth. That's fascinating. I wasn't that aware. Is. I, did, I not did not know, know that. that. <laughs> you learn something new yeah. every day. Um, so, so going back to that with Stepan, um, one thing that was interesting about those those religious statues he had is they were statues of if 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 it was going to be analogous to say Christianity, he he had statues of demons. Oh, not saints. Essentially, saints. what he was dealing with, yeah. Yeah, at one point he was saying something about warding them off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Instead of praying to a saint to for protection, he was he was trying to ward off the particular demon, as it were. And he and he was particularly trying to ward off Ishamael, the father of lies, because he said he needed to see clearly. Which I remember, like a lot of people found that really confusing. Like, why would you be doing offerings to the things that you're trying to ward off. There's an interesting kind of inversion of religious practice. Well, my witchy mind is saying, well, that's what a black candle's for. Yeah, I, the the whole idea of um, um, like burning uh, certain herbs um, to cleanse an area. Mm. I could, I could see something like that. And that's what he had. Like he had that. something that looked like a sage stick, right? Yeah. That he was kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely felt like some kind of a smudge stick for sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out how much I, I trust you guys and, and think you guys have interesting things to talk about. I actually had no notes about Stepin. Uh, I hadn't even thought about Stepin. And I hadn't even thought about those religious figures before they were brought up in conversation just now. But I still steered you down the path of those religious figures because I figured you might find something interesting there that I didn't see. So, Well, I'm Protestant, not Catholic. So <laughs> my, like, my knowledge of um, the saints and iconography, how do you pronounce that? I have no idea. I've only ever read it. Thank you. Um, is very secondhand. Um you might know more than I do, actually. Um, but uh, as, you know, witchy, like as, like as a, I guess, pagan, a witch, whatever you want to call it, it makes sense. Um, you know, when I do a banishment spell or, you know, I decide to cleanse, you know, my space um, with smudging, it's less you know i am calling upon a deity um or you know spiritual energy for help and more that i'm saying 
you know, be gone from the space to leave space for, you know, for clarity or wisdom to, you know, take, to take root and ferment and grow. Um, so kind of a Loki, would you go away? I don't need any chaos right now. Kind of situation. I guess, though Loki can be very helpful. I mean, from, I would be Mercury actually. Ugh. Um, you're amazed that I'm, you know, asking, but I mean, if you want clarity and information, then Mercury is exactly the person you want. Hmm. Interesting. What Samaria has just said has just made that whole scene feel even more important now. Because with the books, even though there is this acknowledged global religion, it's not really made into a thing, right? Yeah. You, you talk about the light, you you know, you talk about burn you as a curse and, you know, blood and bloody ashes, and then it's a dark one. But there's nothing else. But now I just think, I love this now that race brought this focus to warding off these individuals that chose to side with the big bad, right? And so they just that see now it makes you feel like these beings have influence on the world, and you are trying to appease them by making offerings to ward off their influence. And the assumption there is that each individual figurine represents a person who may have a particular what's the word uh vice that they may be kind of con you know kind of can project so if ishamayal is a father of lies then stepping is trying to ward off because he needs to see clearly he needs to see the truth and he needs, he needs to clear to away the, the lies yeah yeah, yeah. So just by bringing that very, I mean, you know, some people were like, what was the point of that scene? And now, and now my mind is just like, wow, like this is Rafe building in a deeper understanding of the religion in ways that maybe was there in the books, but he's just kind of, you know, kind of condensing it and making it more visual. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Definitely. Yeah. You know, you know what that scene reminded me of? And again, this is going back to people I've known through the neo-pagan community is, um, there were people who got into um, neo-paganism basically through family traditions. You have places where there is kind of an, a state religion almost, like, like everyone in your community is Catholic, everyone in your community is you know, whatever the, the former religion is, but you also have people within those communities who keep some of the local traditions and practices almost like household um almost like household gods but but maybe not that formal just you know you always um leave an offering at the well because that's just a thing your family has done for thousands of years and you still do it even though you're a sensibly catholic you you have these little practices and that um you know um warding of the the you know the evil spirits as it were very much felt to me like this especially given that he got these statues from his mother this very much felt like that kind of a this is a little tradition that my family has has passed down that isn't necessarily part of the formal religion but it is a part of my people's customs mm. yeah mm. um mm. my stepfather was from new orleans and you get that a lot um you see that a lot with 
New Orleans natives whose families have been there for, you know, some generations, you know, so yeah, like he would not eat anything my mom made that had a red sauce in it until they got married, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And that's, wow. and that's something you like New Orleans kids are raised with, like their families are in church every Sunday, like, you know, their aunties and their nanas are serving like as ushers. Um, on Sundays and you know they're still raising their their sons their daughters you know in practices that you know originate from you know western Africa like we don't know you know what tribes what states that we came from but somewhere along the line like that information was still passed down and so you know that has produced like these specific cultural practices and you know what those practices are you know why they are you know what they're for um you know you know being a christian having you know a culture that's deep in christianity does like not only has not erased that um but does not come into conflict with those things and so like i was very much raised with the idea like ghosts are real past lives are real you know things like reincarnation is not is not christian and yet <laughs> you know a very common black saying is you know oh that kid's been here before and like when pressed people will be like oh that's definitely not christian like if you know you really stop and talk to people about that they'll be like yeah that's not of god but i still believe it <laughs> doesn't make it <laughs> doesn't make it not true and you know that that's just fine. You know, people integrate these things and carry on. Well, I, um, uh, I don't know if I'm disappointed or it's a good thing, but I feel like what Samaria and Siobhan have just shared has just like debunked this little pet theory that I had about stepping. Like I was just convinced why has Rafe created this scene? And I was like, part of me was thinking there's something else going on here with stepping. There's something else going on behind the scenes about why, how he ended up dying, what was he trying to ward off? And I made it into a really big thing in my head that, you know, this is going to come back in the storyline. And now Siobhan's just like, oh, well, this was the way of showing the tradition being passed on. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what, that's, I think that's what Rafe was doing. Fine. That's my pet baby. <laughs> just debunked. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, we don't know yet. You could be the one in the right. Okay, I'll try and hold on to it. <laughs> Hey everybody, Ruark here. Uh, just want to let you know about our sister podcast, uh, Watch Party Lord of the Rings. We all know about the Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power series that's coming new soon on Prime. Uh, well, they're going to be covering that top to bottom. So if you want to uh, stay up to date on what's going on with Lord of the Rings on Prime, uh, go check out our sister podcast, Watch Party Lord of the Rings. And also be on the lookout for a new podcast coming soon. Watch Party House of the Dragon covering the uh, new Game of Thrones prequel that's going to be coming out. So keep an eye out for that in the future. Of course, we'll let you know about it when that drops. And uh, yeah, stick with us at Watch Party. We've got a lot of cool things coming. And then this this discussion about the figurines that we've been having, it it brings up in my mind another figurine that we saw in the show, which was that little doll of Brigitta. 
Right, and you were telling us a little bit about the legend of Brigitte. Yeah, um, Brigitte is is a a legendary warrior in in this world. You know, like we would think of like Hercules or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and she's known for um, her silver bow and silver arrow that never miss. So, so a bit Artemis. And little Helga says to Matt, "She protects you when you while you sleep." So, so what are we seeing? You you said Artemis already. The name is very similar to the the Celtic goddess uh, Breed, um, or Bridge, which is modernized Bridget or Bridget to Bridget. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, who's like yeah, the Celtic mother goddess. The uh, it's her cauldron where people are um, reborn. I have it on on fairly good authority that um, she actually can be sourced back to gods such as Artemis and such from when the Romans came through the British Isles. And uh, uh, something about uh, I'm I'm just going to call her Brigid because that's the name that I I know her by. Um, mm-hmm. Something else about her is uh, she is known as a Tuatha de Danann. Yeah, it's not so similar at all. <laughs> Tuatha de Danann are the the is the is the tribe of the gods. Yeah, right. It's um, Danann is Danu, who is the mother goddess, right? Okay. Like the 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 Earth Mother, Siobhan, Do you remember any of this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, help, <laughs> my memories here are, are, are on the you know. Yeah, Danu, Danu is 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 the boss lady. Uh, similar role yeah. to I guess Hera. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, except more the boss because she's not subservient to like a Zeus or Jupiter, right? Like Hera is very much like. She's Zeus's sister and wife, and she is secondary to him. But I think Danu is—I think Danu is, on, is in charge as much as anybody is in charge, which is less hierarch- its less hierarchical, like Celtic myth, myth than uh, Greek. So, did uh, you say it's the tribe of the gods? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so what does that tell us about our own Tuatha on? So, tribe of is the Tuatha bit. Um, Tuatha. What's their last? Their last name is On. On. It's Tuatha apostrophe A N. Okay. And and an apostrophe is generally when you contract something, which could be a contraction of day don. Right, so that would be the like tribe of Mother Earth, um, right? If that's a, if because yeah. the Arn could be a contraction from Dan, from Danu, um, and that does sound very much like what we've seen of the the Tuatha Arn. They are, they do yeah. seem to be very much kind of a a have an Earth Goddess feeling about them and, and mm-hmm. caring and nurturing. One of the problems with Danu is that there are no like original myths that survive about her so the name is known and from context but um we don't really know what she we don't know we no longer know what she did or who she was right we have we can contact we know who she was related to and we can contextualize kind of things about her based on 
what the others don't do, if you see what I mean. Right? Yeah. Like, um, you look for them. You look for the missing god hole, and that's where yeah. she fills in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like she's yeah. not the Morrigan. She's not Brigid. You've got your gods of fire, air, and water. Clearly, the missing god is the god of earth. And, and right? also, we know that she's the mother. Like she's she, she she's the head of the tribe, and she doesn't appear to have like uh there doesn't appear to be a boss man. Um, right, Siobhan? Yeah, she's she's mom. Yeah, um, and that kind of ties to Celtic. Cult, like Irish Celtic culture, which was much less hierarchical in general, and the job of the war chief was not to be in charge all the time, but like the big man got to lead soldiers into battle when there was a battle to be had, and then when there wasn't a battle to be had, he got to shut the fuck down and get drunk over there and not be in charge, right? So, which again, kind of so, and so if we look at the Tuatha An, I guess, and we say, okay, so this is a Danu-focused tribe, and they don't have any of the other gods from them, we are, that kind of fits the pacifism. Right? Yeah. They've yeah, got definitely. rid of their war leader, they're just focused, you know, like, they've got rid of all of the troublemaking gods, um, and they're trying to live in peace with the, like, in harmony with the world, etc., etc. Yeah, uh, Brigid was... Um, one of her, like, protection is a thing that she did. She was like a... Um, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, she she was... Um, she was oh, she was a bodyguard of some sort? Well, she... Oh, so she may actually have been a triple goddess. Um, Bri like, Brigid the Healer, Brigid the Smith, and, and, and Brigid the... Uh, the poet. It, it, it's like unions, you know, you get like the, the carpenters and bricklayers and pastry chefs union for some reason. It, 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 yeah. Same thing with triple gods. It, yeah. you, they don't always have to make sense together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, she, yeah, she was, she was poets and wisdom and protected the poets and the stories which would kind of tie into then her being the star of stories, because let's face it, you want to uh, big up the person that looks after you. Yeah. Right? So there's a lot about that little doll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit about just that little tiny doll. Um, and, and I think once again, we've gotten just into why I love these books so damn much, because... I have thought about this stuff so many times and, and yet you guys just in this last hour have brought up several things that have blown my mind that I have not ever contemplated before. So there's so much to be found, so much to be mined. And, and I'm glad that you guys are here to, to help me do that. Um, my face is hurting. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I think we can call this an episode. Uh, we want to say thank you as always to Michael and Jen out of the secret watch party Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thank you, Michael, thank and, thank Jen. You, Michael and Jen. And uh, also if you want to write into us, we haven't had any mailbag in a while. So, uh, so let's get some mailbag coming in. And one thing that we said we really, really need, we need some final questions because coming up with these final questions can be a pain in the butt. Uh, you can send those to us at whatwatchparty at gmail.com. That's W-O-T watchparty at gmail. You can also find us on all of the social medias at whatwatchparty or at our website, whatwatchparty.com, which will have links to everything else that I referenced. 
And with all of that being said, final question. You've got a little figurine of a Forsaken that you are praying to, to ward something off. What is it you're warding off? Bureaucracy. <laughs> I have been trying to get a building permit to fix something on my house that is falling off my house for 15 months. <laughs> I would had never considered this and now I am considering it. I would like to ward off the Forsaken that manipulates dreams because I'm really fed up of exhausting dreams. I wake up and I'm like, I have had no sleep. And I just have really messed up, unnecessary, pointless dreams. Yeah, I've I've heard that dreams like that has been an unfortunate consequence of the pandemic. Um, so we're all just, you know, really sleepless and tired and exhausted from what our brain's doing overnight. Um, what would I be warding off? I would ward off my hot water running out. Um yeah, I've actually, I had to stop washing my hair in the shower and now I'm like washing my hair in the kitchen sink. Very old school because like the hot water lasts longer in the sink. Have, um, have you checked to see if there's, if there's a taint shoved up the hot pipe? <laughs> <laughs> because that might be your issue. We, 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 we went into this last episode and, and that was the main issue. So it, it might be a taint shoved up your hot pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to light a candle to the forsaken that keeps stealing my socks in the dryer. Because <laughs> I have very large feet and finding socks that fit properly is difficult. So I, I need that forsaken to stop stealing them. So you know that socks are just the larval form of wire coat hangers, right? <laughs> That's where all those wire coat hangers keep coming from. <laughs> Something else that strikes me about Steppen is uh, um, the connection to to the classic uh, Steppen Wolf. Hmm. Um, Steppen Wolves. I don't. That's just a band uh, name to me. <laughs> um. uh, Steppen Wolf is uh, it's related to. Um, you know what? I just realized. Uh, uh, no, I just realized I got Steppenwolf and Beowulf confused in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we could draw some uh, okay. parallels there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was ready to go. Like, oh, tell me. <laughs> See, look, no, it all no, ties no. together. No, no. I'm, I'm not following you down that trail. Sorry. That's, <laughs> Sorry, everybody. As a matter I, of fact, I, I, I'm probably gonna. I, I may, I may or may not edit this out. But if I <laughs> don't edit it out, I'm definitely going to put a, a over that name that you just yeah, said. Yeah, I, I apologize wholeheartedly. I take it all back. <laughs> Good. Uh, I've squicked so, out myself, even. <laughs>